All right, good morning, church. Just want to welcome you. I'm so glad we're able to come back. Yay! (laughs) So glad we're able to come back and worship together again. Uh, It's it's been a uh, rough week out there, uh, not just in our nation, but in the world. And I just, I hope that we can use this time to kind of reset our hearts, reset our minds, uh, to not focus on the negativity that's happening around us, and to use this as an opportunity to go out and be the light Amen. in that darkness. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much that you, you reign. Amen. And you are just in control, even when we can't yes. see it. Yes. We know that... Uh, You've got this. And I just pray that uh, we will keep our focus on you and that we will be the love and the peace of you in this world. Just ask that you will uh, help us focus on you today and to to, um, worship you and hear what you want us to learn. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Oh, stand. If you want. You don't have to. God is greater. Water you turned into wine. Open the eyes of the blind. There's no one like you.
spiritual arm. Yeah. The big God. Listen to the words of this song. Just think about our week and how it went. This is what the world needs. Come set your rule and reign in our hearts again. Increase in us we pray. Wildfire in our very souls, 
Let's pray. Lord, that's, a, that's an amazing song, and it does bring to our hearts an understanding that uh, we are your church, and uh, we don't mean this building, and we don't mean these pews or this carpet or any of the things that are just around us, but it's our souls, that's our hearts. We are part of your kingdom, Lord. And uh, we, we wait your coming, your, re, your, your return, but we know that you're going to build your church first. And that's uh, part of what this is all about, is waiting for your, your return, but uh, for us to <clears throat> live eternally with you and glorify you and give you praise. We, get, we are anxious and uh, looking forward to that time. Lord, we pray for, especially for several of, uh, of our friends who, have, who are not well and are suffering from this uh, virus. God, we pray that you're, you'll preserve their lives and heal them, um, give them strength and, uh, and perseverance. Keep us all healthy, Lord. We, <clears throat> we know that you love us and you want us to, um, when you, you tell us how to pray, you say, lead us not into temptation, and deliver us from evil. And Lord, we know that this is not a good thing. It is evil, and it is because we live in such a fallen and imperfect world. But Lord, you will protect us, and we ask you will. So we pray for that, Lord. Now, Father, we pray that you would uh, be with our pastor as he speaks. Uh, he brings word of God to us. We, we're going to be studying from the book of James, which is uh, an amazing book, and uh, we're looking forward to that, Father. So I pray that you would anoint Gary with your, again, with your Holy Spirit. Give him the wisdom and, uh, and re- remembrance of the things he's prepared for, just for us to hear today. We pray also, Lord, for those that are listening online and those that will be listening this week, <clears throat> that they will be uh, able to join us and be with us uh, soon. Anyway, Lord, God, bless this time together. Um, Change our hearts. Change the way we think, our feel, and everything through the power of your Holy Spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Joe. Well, good morning, everyone. Good to see you out in the service today. And it is always a joy together to worship our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Please take out your, your Bibles, and if you'd like to join us in the book of James, we'll be looking at the book of James. We'll also encourage you to take some notes. There's some notes uh, pads in front of you if you'd like to do that, and uh, we're going to give you some things to write down uh, for that. Mac, it's good to see you today. Mac, I've, I've, I'm glad you came in. Glad you came in right on church time. Yeah, you snuck in. Uh, we love Pastor Mac, and uh, Mac was, was saved in this church a few years ago. Grew up in Somos and uh, called to preach and uh, was married here. And, uh, and maybe we'll have the privilege of burying here. I don't know, but maybe... <laughs> But uh, not in the near future. But we're glad to have Mac with us today. I've, I've asked him to preach one of these Sundays, so he's, he's, I've challenged him, so you can challenge him as well. So we want to hear him preach. He's a great preacher. So if you have your Bibles this morning, would you, would you turn into the book of James? And, uh, uh, you know, this week has already been said has been an interesting week. Um, you know, Things are all over the place in our country. And as Joe prayed, we too truly live in a broken world. 
And the cure for our brokenness is Jesus Christ. You see, when Jesus arrives, his unconditional love shows up. When Jesus makes his entrance, the Prince of Peace has arrived. When people come in contact with Jesus, healing takes place. The broken are made new, the troubled are calm, the sick are cured. Evil is replaced with godliness. Jesus just makes us better. Makes everything better. Moves us to love all people equally, as God does. And my friend, God does love all people, and all people matter to him. As he gave his only sons so that everyone could have forgiveness of sin. It is our desire to love others like God loves us. And so when someone walks through the doors, we do not care what they may look like or the tint of their skin or where they have been, we will love them. So today, I want to start a sermon series through the book of James. And the more I study James, I come to love this book more. It's a powerful book. As we go through James, he addresses some of the culture issues that we are facing today in our country. And so it's a very timely book. It's a very relevant book for us to dig in and to study. And so let's read one verse from the book of James. And I read, James, a bondservant. Now let me stop here and say some of your Bibles, your translations may say slave. And this word in the Greek means to be slave from birth or born into slavery. So when you think about that in the context of what he's saying here spiritually, Jesus is a bond servant or a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. There was a spiritual birth, and at that spiritual birth happened, he instantly recognized that Jesus is my master, and I'm going to serve him. And it says in verse 1 again, it says, to, it's written to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. And he says, greetings. And that's the first word he's greeting. He's, and that word is, is exceeding joy. It's, it's gladness. He's happy. And, and he wants us to know that. James is one of the most richest books in the New Testament for practical Christian living. For example, there are 54 commands for the Christian in five chapters of this book, and it's only five chapters long. And each command tests our faith. And if you love God, this is what your life is going to look like. First command in James, I'll bring your attention to that. He tells us that we should have joy while going through hard times. Oh, that's, that's difficult. And, and we would say that that's such an oxymoron that we can have joy and at the same time have very difficult times in our life. But James is saying that if your faith is real, you will experience joy in the tough times. This is an indicator to the maturity of our faith. Next Sunday, we're going to climb that mountain. and We're going to discover how we can have joy when we're going through deep trials. 
And so I don't want you to miss next Sunday. We're going to talk about that, unless Mac is going to preach, okay? All right. James is all about a faith, living by out our faith. He gives us several challenges to see if we have a mature faith. And one of those is having the joy in our trials. So we read James. You might even feel like you're, you're, you're maybe even getting beat up, you know, the one-two punch, you know. This is how a Christian's going to be. Oh, and this is how a Christian's going to be. And this is how you should live if you're a follower of God. If you love God, this is going to be there in place. And so it's a very soul-searching book that we come to James. James is like, it's almost like a fruit inspector. We say that we love God and we love others. Well, let's examine that. Let's examine our faith if we have a genuine faith of God, that our walk matches our talk, that our behavior lines up to what we believe. Now, as we start, James, understand that it is written to believers. It's not a book about salvation. It's about a book of, of talking about growing in Christ. In fact, the word perfect is mentioned six times in these five chapters. And the, the point of, the, of this letter is written to Christians who are not perfect. And being perfect is not the point, but in that, being in that progress that process of growing to be like Jesus Christ, perfection. That we are the, not the same as we were last month as a believer or last year. That we are growing, we are maturing. We're not stuck, but we're gradually growing in Jesus Christ through the help of the Holy Spirit. So as we approach James, let's... Let's have the right spirit, a willingness to be open, not only to listen, but a willingness to grow, to be more like Jesus Christ. And since James comes across in such a strong way, some of you thought, well, I don't know if I want to go through James. But listen, it's going to be helpful. I'm going to help you with this, with this message today. To embrace the teaching of James, if we know something about the man behind the letter. We might ask James, do you really know how to have joy when life is hard? Or, or we could say, James, have you experienced the bad situations, the broken relationships, the health issues, the, the terrible things that can happen? Like, have you experienced them like I have experienced them? James, if you would experience them like I have, maybe you, you'd write differently. Well, let's look at the man behind James. And see if he practiced what he preaches. After all, he's saying we should walk like we talk. Who is this James that's calling us out? Let me say this. As we study the book of James, it is important to look at the setting when you look at a book. And so we're going to look at a book. It'll bring you your, 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 the truth deeper you grow in appreciation for what it is saying, and you'll be awed by God, which that honest, that wow factor draws us to God. And so as we're going to look at the setting of James. Well, we've read one verse, but now we're going to look at the man behind James. And as we look at this, it's, it's, our respect is going to grow for this book. 
It's like when you go to a bookstore, and you go in the bookstore, and you go to that, you know, Ed probably goes to that book, book section about cars and hot rods and things like that, and, and he goes, and you know, one of the first things he's going to do is he's going to look at who wrote this book. And then he's going to value, and Ed knows a lot of famous car people, and he will say, you know, I know that individual, or I don't know this individual. And, and he's going to weigh how he knows that person on what is written. This is the value that we can come and bring to the book of James. When we know the man, we study the man behind this book, it will increase our value for this book. This is a letter written to Christians. It's a letter, and uh, you know, uh, when, uh, when you get a letter, you, one of the first things you want to do is you want to uh, look at the letter, you want to look at the front, uh, it says, oh, it's written to, and then you look up at the left-hand corner, who wrote the letter, and if they don't put the name on there, then you open up that letter, and then you go, and then you read, then you go to the last page, and say, okay, sincerely, so-and-so, okay, then you go back to the front, then you read the letter. When my wife and I were dating, we lived in different states, and she would write me, and, and when I received that letter, you know, it was different. I had a different response to the, all the other letters that I received, and the reason is because I loved her, and what she wrote, I loved to read because of my relationship with her, and I want us to know who James is because I believe we will come to love James in a greater way, the book of James. And we understand that God inspired the word, but he also used the flavor, the character, the settings of, of men to, to pin the word of God to us and give us exactly the heart of God through these men as well. So who is the man behind James? I'm going to give you five things this morning. If you like to take notes, I'm going to give you five things about James. All right. First of all, he is the brother of Jesus Christ. By that, I'll stop him and, and, and we got to pay attention to this. I want to hear what, what the brother of Jesus Christ has to say. Uh, I want to hear how he, he was raised with Jesus Christ. And now there are some um, different um, beliefs because there, there, there are about three different other James that are mentioned in the Scripture. But most Bible scholars believe that James was the younger brother to Jesus. So let's read some verses here. If you like to follow along, I have these written down, but if you like to follow along, go to the book of Mark. Go to the book of Mark, chapter 6, and I want to read uh, three verses out of Mark, chapter 6. It says, Mark 6, Then he went out from there and came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man Get these things. And what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? Are not his sisters here with, here with us? So they were offended at him. Now, I want you to just take a reason I read that scripture. Because you notice that after the son of Mary, after the carpenter, talking about Jesus, he says, and the brother of James. James is listed as first. In the pattern of the Old Testament, when the Bible, when it's listing siblings, usually the oldest one is listed first. So if we applied this with James, this would mean that Jesus was close to James. 
in age and probably close in relationship. That he probably, you know, they knew each other quite well. That they did things together because of their age and being raised in a family. Now, also remember about this about James, that he was half-brother to Jesus, as Mary was a virgin when Jesus was born. And so they had the same mother, but different fathers. You know, God the Father, that immaculate conception there. And so, uh, but they were still, they grew up together, and Jesus being the oldest of all the other siblings. So let's go back earlier in Jesus' life. Let's go back to Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3, here we're finding out James' relationship with Jesus. It says in verse 20, it says, Then the multitude came together so that they could not so much as eat bread. But when his, if you like to circle that, his own people heard about this, they went out to lay hold on him, for they said, he is out of his mind. Or whatever your translation might say, he may be crazy. Cray-cray, as they say today. He's out of his mind. Jesus' family thought Jesus was crazy. He was weird. He was different. He had this totally different outlook on life. And perhaps there are those in your family that think you are crazy for following Jesus. You know, you got saved. You know, and then you started doing the church thing every week, every Sunday, and your family couldn't understand this. You got baptized, and you started supporting the church. You, just, you mean, if, if there were a painting uh, lines on the parking lot, you were there. And, and people just think you're crazy for being so committed to following Jesus or to ministry. Jesus understands what it means when your family doesn't appreciate your belief in God. He believes. He, he understands that. He knows what that feels like. When your family says you're crazy, my family says I'm crazy, and I know that. My family. Right, Cindy? <laughs> so we know that. John, John chapter 7. I'm going to go with John chapter 7. I want to find something else about James. All right. After these things... In John 7, verse 1, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he did not want to walk in Judea, but the Jews sought to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of tabernacle was at hand. His brothers therefore said, depart from here, go into Judea, that your disciples also may see the works that you're doing, for no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known Openly, if you do these things, show yourself to the world, for even his brothers did not believe him. Got to underline that. His own brothers. James did not believe in his brother. He did not believe that he was God. He did not believe that he was the Messiah. He did not believe who Jesus said he was. We say, how could this be? This brother who grew up in this and he saw Jesus and, and my, what a position to be in to, to have Jesus as your brother. I mean, he was the perfect brother. I'm sure Mary said, Jesus, uh, James, why can't you be like your brother Jesus? He heard that over and over again. Joseph, Joseph said, James, why don't you do like Jesus does? I don't know if they said that or not. 
here's something interesting as you think about that. Jesus was urged by his brothers to go in harm ways. And gee, James, perhaps the oldest, had the most influence. He just stay, said, you know, you know, they're going to kill you. If you go down there, they're going to come. And then they tried to, well, Jesus, why don't you go down there? Maybe there was some animosity that was coming up because of this. That they would tell his brother, why don't you go out there? I don't know if that was, was said with like a smart answer. But he, they encouraged him to go to a place that they had determined to kill Jesus. Well, maybe some of your brothers have done that to you. <laughs> How does James go from wanting Jesus to be harmed to worship in Jesus? How did he make that transfer? From a place of perhaps animosity to a place of saying, I am a slave of Jesus Christ. I want to be identified as a bondservant of Jesus Christ. How did he make that transition? Transition. Let me say this. It, 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 don't let that master thing be, be a trip uh, for you. Choosing Jesus Christ as your master is the best thing you could ever do for yourself or your, for your family. Because, listen, my friend, Jesus Christ loves and treats you like a brother. He makes you a joint of heir of all that he has. There is no other master like Jesus Christ. He treats us well, more than we deserve. Now, how did James come to a place of worship in his older brother? The answer is the same way we do in every person who comes to believe in God. You're here this morning, you don't know whether you believe in God, you struggle with this. Well, let me tell you, the gospel gives us the key to understand what it means to believe and how to believe. So let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul writes in here, and he brings out James here in this, in this passage that has to do with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I read verse 1, 1 Corinthians 15. Let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, if the good news or the gospel, the good news I preached to you before, you welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. It is this good news that saves you. If you continue to believe the message I told you, unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. Paul says, I pass on to you what was most important, what has always been passed on to me. Christ, here's the gospel, here's the good news, here's what we must believe. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead. And the third day, just as the scripture said, he was seen by Peter and then by 12 after that. He was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time. Most of them are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James. God wanted us to know and all the things and the, and the people, he wanted also to know that he was seen by James and then later by all the apostles. You see, somewhere along the line, from that verse, James came to believe that Jesus, and I believe that it was probably about the time that Jesus died, 
and, and probably at the time that he, he knew he was buried, but also he came up out of the grave. And I think that that was the thing, in my opinion, when he became to believe, yes, Jesus is more than my brother. He is God, and he was God manifested in the flesh. And nothing that he knew about Jesus discounted that because Jesus was sinless, and he knew that. So James came to know Jesus personally as his Lord and Savior. I want to go back. I want to go forward in James' life and look at chapter 1 of the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1. And as they strained to see him, and the him is Jesus Christ. So there's a group here, and it's the ascension of Jesus Christ. And as they strained to see him, Jesus rising into heaven, in Acts chapter 1 and verse 10, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here into the heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, a distance of about a half a mile. And when they arrived, they went to the up, upstairs room of the house where they were staying. Here are the names of those who are present. Peter, John, James. Now, this is not the James that we're talking about. Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, and James, the son of Alphaeus, still not the James that we're talking about, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. They all met together and were constantly united in prayer, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, and several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. So in this group, Jesus stands there, and he sees his God, his Lord, his Savior, rise into heaven. The brothers of Jesus, he was there. Now, later on in James' life in Acts chapter 15, there was a, a dispute that uh, came up into the church and into Christians, and they were divided about that, and it was an ugly dispute. It, it was about the, the value of the Gentiles. Do, does God save Gentiles? Should we take the gospel to the Gentiles? Are they worthy to receive the... You know, and there was this big division about this. There's a, some, some very strong feelings about that. And after all was said and done, in Acts chapter 15... Uh, James stands up and declares that God loves everyone and the gospel should be preached to the Gentiles, and it was settled. And I, I give you that verse is because that now that, that, uh, that he became a believer, he also it comes to a place where he is rising up into the church there in Jerusalem, that first church in Jerusalem. This is James. Let's go to Acts chapter 21, and I'll read a couple verses from Acts chapter 21. It says, the next day, Paul went, us, went with us to meet with James. And then he says, and all the elders of the Jerusalem church were present. So he, so he went to meet with James, and, but uh, Paul wanted to speak to James. And the other elders were there of Jerusalem, and they were present. And, and so it was James that he wanted to address, James he wanted to talk to. And after greeting them, Paul gave a detailed account of the things that God had accomplished among the Gentiles through his ministry. And, and Paul was saying, James, you know, just like you said, you know, the gospel is gone and people are getting saved. And I just want to report to you, James, 
kind of like, thank you for standing up. Thank you for supporting. Thank you for, for helping me uh, to, to be supported, to go to take the gospel to the Gentiles. And again, he is rising up into a position of leadership in the first church of Jerusalem. In, Acts, excuse me, in Galatians chapter 2, Paul, Paul writes this. He says, in fact, he says this in verse 9, James, Peter, and John, who were known as pillars of the church, recognized the gift that God had given me, and they accepted Barnabas and me as their co-workers. They encouraged us to keep preaching to the Gentiles while they continued to work with the Jews. James was, was very cross-culture to get the gospel out. And he was known as a pillar of the church that, that helped the, the gospel to go forward. And James had become well-respected. And many believe that he became the lead pastor at the church of Jerusalem. This is James. James, remember, who had animosity against Jesus? And now he had grown to a place of leadership there in the church of Jerusalem. So number two, James was a church leader. If we should read and study James, it was because, well, he's a church leader, but also because he was the younger brother of Jesus. And we should hear, we want to know what, what James has to say. He was perhaps the, the pastor of that church, that, that famous church in Jerusalem. Number three, it is said that James was called by some nicknames. It's called by James the Just. You don't, you don't get the title of James the Just if you're not just, uh, if you're not a good person, if you're not a good leader. James was a very well-respected in character and integrity. His word meant something. He was good. He was honest. He was all those things. And so they called him. He had a nickname of James the Just. It was justice, not injustice, but justice he was for. He was also called camel knees. Camel knees. Now, ladies, I don't know if you would think that would be an endearing term to you. Hey, camel knees, how you doing? <laughs> but it was, it was something that was very, uh, it, was a, it was a good thing for James. And because the reason he had knees that had been calloused and they looked like camel knees is because of his prayer life. He had long hours of prayer. He was praying for people, praying, probably praying for the Christians that had been scattered. He was praying, no doubt, for his family and friends, for, for the church in Jerusalem. But it tells us that James had a heart for others. He's praying, he's a man of faith, and, and, and so much that his, his knees developed calluses. So I have, I have a theory about this. This is just a personal theory. It's not in the Bible or anything, but it's just a personal comment of this. I know that, you know, when I pray, and many of you pray, and you pray on your knees, that, you know, we, we pray, and, and a lot of times we'll rub our head against the back of the chair or the couch. And I see some brothers here that I believe are very, very prayerful people because they, they have worn their hair off their head. I see some of you, Mac, I don't know about that. Oh, look at your knees. Uh, no, thanks. I'm just saying that these nicknames, you know, it just, they came out of people and said, you know, oh, James, 
Hey, he's a good man. He's an honest man. You know, when we say our words, people watch our lives more than our words, don't they? Oh, James, you know, James, have you ever seen James' knees? Oh, my goodness. They tell us a story about his prayer life. He's a man that walks with God. Man, and I'm, I'm going to ask James to pray for me because I know that guy, that brother, he prays. Knees like that. I know he's there praying for me. James was re- well respected among his peers. And James was also a martyr for Jesus Christ. Not only James was willing to live the faith, he was the same on Sunday as Monday. He was willing to die for his faith. And what we are willing to die for defines who we really are. The Jewish historian Josephus, and there's a couple other uh, historians during this time period, tells us that that when there was a a change in the, in the leadership of of the Jerusalem, and one of the the leaders was going out, and it was a, it was a, a Roman leadership change. And through that transition, in between that transition, the high priest took advantage of the situation and stirred up not only the other high priests, or not the other high priests, but the other priests, the other, other people in the, in the community there in the temple, and they stirred them up against James. And they made James come before a trial for his belief in Jesus as the Messiah, as God. They tried to get him to reject that Jesus was God, that he wasn't the Messiah. And during the trial, it is said that that his answers and, and the people respond and, and the high priests and the words that they would, it just stirred the people up. It stirred them up so much that they didn't finish the trial, but they took James and they dragged him up to the top of the, of the highest point of the temple. And they took James and they threw him off the temple. But he didn't die. And the people watching this in the crowd, and they saw James there, and he was still alive. And they took stones, and they tried to finish the job. And it is said that James was praying for those who were stoning him the whole time they were doing this. And finally, someone grabbed a club. And by tradition, it said that that was the thing that killed James. I believe that we could safely say that James has walked his talk. He died like he lived. And when we read those precious words in the book of James, remember these words that he was willing to die for. He was passionate about Jesus Christ and God. One more thing. So when Jesus, or excuse me, when James sat down to write to the Christians that had been scattered in the area in different places, you know, he could have started the letter off as stating that, hey, this is the brother of Jesus Christ, but he didn't. He could have started off lead pastor of the first church of Jerusalem. But he didn't start his letter like that. 
He could have said, this is James. This is James. You know, James the just. So what I'm going to give you is going to be good, so pay attention. He didn't write that way. He could have maybe even humorously said, hey, this is camel knees. I'm praying for you. I'm praying that you accept this letter in the right spirit. He didn't come across that way. He could have started something like, please read and follow the truth. I'm so passionate about them. I'm willing to die for them. He didn't. James simply identified himself as a slave by birth because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the fifth thing that we must understand about James is that he was a humble man. And because James had this humble spirit, God used him in a powerful way. My friend, every great person, every person of God that God uses in a great way has a spirit of humility so that God can use him. I want to leave you with this as the bottom line. James enters this letter with a deep humility. And this is how we should enter this letter as well. God, I don't know everything, but I'm willing to learn. God, there is, there is room to grow. And I want you to show me the areas that I need to grow in. We need to have the humble spirit. God, I'm open for you to challenge my faith. Show me the blind spots in my life that you are aware of and that I'm not aware of that I might grow. God, I'm willing to follow the Holy Spirit in however he leads me. Would you please bow your heads in prayer? Would you pray with me that God would help us to have that humble spirit like James? James does go in and he talks about works, the things that we should do, and he sure doesn't come across as a man filled with credentials and qualifications. He starts this letter off in a very humble way. Let's have the humility, that spirit that says, God, I need you to speak to me. And I'm going to approach this letter knowing that you're going to do a work in me through this letter. And that I'll come out on the other side of this letter growing and learning to be more like Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, in Micah 6.8, you say, O people, the Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you, to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Father, today we choose to walk humbly with you. We choose to live by your Holy Spirit and to follow your lead. Help us to hear you clearly. For we do not want to walk by pride or self-sufficiency. 
We do not resist your hand upon us. We invite you. We want you to walk. We want to walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to ask you to stand as we're going to close out one more song. Let it be a song of anthem in your heart, what God is doing in your heart right now. And as the worship team comes, there are some connection cards in front of you. If you'd like to fill out those prayer requests or needs or praise, fill those out, drop them back in the offering box. And uh, there are the offering boxes back there for those who'd like to give uh, their offerings today. God bless you. Let's stand as we sing this last song.
just like we heard the message, but just what the song said. You know, when I was a young girl, I um, read Fox's Fox books, a book of martyrs many times. And I believe there is a day coming that we may have to experience some persecution. So now is the time to know in your heart of hearts that you will stand. And the way we do that is looking to that beautiful Savior and to a man like James that encourages us that we can do this too because we have the same Savior in our heart as he does. He did. All right. Have a blessed week. No rioting. (laughs) Just loving. (laughs) 